2: Hi there, I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mall Over Podcast. Oh, pod. Hello, good evening, and welcome to this week's Mall Over Podcast, the only rugby podcast that believes wearing a mask is like trying to keep a fart in your pants or your trousers. But
1: that's not only... necessarily shared by all members of this podcast.
2: No, absolutely not. And you know, I'm not going to go into it, but. I thought I would uh, open open the show with a little gag, because uh, you know masks and it fucking Omnicron. Have you seen that the Omnicron variant, omicron B, is a um, is an anagram of no crimbo, and also uh, moronic.
1: Oh, how do we shut him up?
0: <laughs> I was I was trying to think about whether I could educate him about where the naming came from but then i thought it's it's just it's gone past that i think well, no, we should yeah
2: you, you can educate we're just, we're
0: whatever just, you like we'll just we'll just leave him to his own little devices i think Doug.
1: i think uh, he's 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 not far off disappearing down a rabbit hole we may never get him back from
2: no mate i'm not fucking i'm not a weird cunt not no. quite anyway um right uh yeah we're all uh, over podcast. You've already heard the dulcet tones of the Chinese lensman. Welcome, Doug. Hello. And from his isolation dungeon somewhere in mid Cornwall, uh, Phil, farm vet, handsome. How you doing? Housewives favorite.
0: Yeah, a lot better than I was telling the last week. To be honest, are you, are you feeling better now, mate? You
2: you all right?
0: Uh heading in the right direction. Not a long way off perfect, but yeah, got out of breath walking to the end of the garden and back. But I think that's just a lack of exercise. I was gonna say, money. is
2: that that that, <laughs> that that fitness thing as opposed to a uh yeah. an illness thing? That's um, not having
0: not having run since doing my ankle back in September.
2: Yeah, I mean that you just add into your, your list of uh, ailments. Um let's we're gonna talk about some rugby. We're not gonna do a traditional rundown of the weekend's action because you know, let's be fair, you've probably either all seen it or all heard about it or Whatever. So, we're going to give some, uh, do some chat about a couple of subjects and then we're going to do our new semi regular money line feature at the, towards the end where Phil and I are going to, uh, try and guess the odds on this week's Premiership matches and maybe have a little bit of a chat about what's to come. But, Doug, you wanted to chat a little bit to start off this week's podcast about the championship and, uh, and how that race is hotting up to, to head into the Prem.
1: Yeah, I don't know if anyone's been keeping an eye on it. I mean, if you haven't, you probably should be because it it's shaping up to be one of the in in all of the last sort of 10 years of championship action there may there may have been like a couple of seasons where you had maybe Bristol and Worcester fighting out for one promotion spot. But in a year where there's so much jeopardy and almost um almost sort of um A, a little bit of sort of lackadaisical, lackadaisicalness about the uh, nature of the championship where everyone thought, well, Saracens are up, no one's been relegated, so therefore Ealing will just stroll to the league. Uh, there's a, a real f- sort of four-way struggle for for promotion in that league. And in, in a time when we're looking at, you know, being three or four weeks away from the premiership being dead rubbers waiting for the, um, playoffs to start, it could be that the championship is where the most interesting rugby is going to be happening for a good deal of the season. And I, I just I I cannot believe that you can't watch it anywhere. It's astonishing to me that this, this rugby is, is not available for human consumption beyond going to the grounds and watching it, which admittedly we could all do, but the profile of that competition could be a measure of, like it could be elevated to a level where people want to watch it regardless of there being no relegation or promotion for the next couple of years, because it seems to me like the there's games going on every week in that division that could be just unbelievable we, to watch.
2: You think that you think the RFU in their current standing, I mean, we've seen it demonstrated over the past 18 months or so that it doesn't doesn't have to cost an arm and a leg to put to even set up some kind of live feed with a commentator even if it was on the well, I can't, I um, don't remember,
1: was, was it you that said pirates had wanted to shoot one of their matches but were told that they couldn't because yeah it did premiership standards
2: that's right that to me
1: is just insane
2: but they were doing i mean if you if you look at what what they were doing for the premier 15s. I know like Nick Heath and Tom may do a lot of commentary on it, didn't they? But a lot of that is on, on the premier 15s website and on their Facebook page and stuff. And it's only almost like a single gantry camera streamed live. You know, it doesn't have to be a multi-camera setup. It doesn't have to be a sophisticated load of stuff you could, if you can make it accessible to people and like you say, the top four teams in that league, your pirates, Doncaster, Jersey and, and elin there's more than likely going to be a top six clash of pretty much every week. That's going to be really worth a watch.
1: And it, it it's just so short sighted. Honestly, I, 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 I'm almost, I despair a little bit about it because they've had a golden opportunity. What what exactly are the RFU doing at the moment? Because all they seem to be doing is pulling money out of grassroots rugby, pulling money out of the England setup, pulling money out of women's rugby, pulling money out of the championship. To what end? To pay 25 blokes every three months a load of money to play for England and so I think, a load of blokes at a corporate hospitality venue?
0: I think the problem is that they're using case studies from our very near neighbours, um, case studies where you've taken relatively successful, albeit not necessarily that commercially successful, multi-tier setups, and then they've consolidated them into a regional approach and, and with ring a ring-fenced approach. And they've seen a degree of kind of uh, increased performance at a competitive level from certainly the irish regions um scott the scottish national team are doing relatively well and they're looking at them going well maybe that's what we should be doing and concentrating on our on our core product of england rugby and trying to build that through and and the premiership that we're going to ring fence and we're going to bring everything into this one solid product but the reality is our rugby playing environment and, and infrastructure within england because of the the quantity of clubs, the quantity of players involved, the quantity of um, schools that are involved as well, is a bit more like our, our cross-channel neighbours in, in the French who have an incredibly successful top 14. They have an incredibly successful competitive second division and are reaping the rewards at, at both a commercial and an international level. Um, and I think they've, they've taken the ship and decided they were going to try and put it down the canal rather than going out into the wide open ocean.
2: The problem that I see is that the RFU don't have any real jurisdiction over the premiership and the premiership is dictating really what, what's happening because at the end of this season, when this one team goes into the premiership to make it a 14 team premiership for, uh, what I believe is a further two seasons before there's the potential for any re- promotional relegation. They that 14th team is then given an opportunity to buy shares into PRL to then become one of the the, the 14 shareholding teams. And once that happens, the the door's going to be firmly closed again because there, there's no way that when they get in there, anyone's going to vote to bring back. Um, promotion and relegation anyway. It's the most nonsensical thing I think I've ever heard.
1: I mean, to me, it, it the way the Premier, the way the RFU should be looking at this is going, right, Premiership, you're your own thing. Yeah. Like, you're getting nothing from us. And if that means we can't have the players, we won't have the players. Because, believe me, the players will want to play for England. You know, that's where they're making a great deal of money. And if England could solve this whole debate by just going... Well, we'll pick England players wherever you play. We'll pull our money out of the Premiership, and we'll we'll put that money directly back into the Championship, and the Premiership can go on its own and be lucky. And we'll have our pyramid system, and we'll see how we get on. They're never going to do that, obviously, but but if they were, to it, you find to very those, quickly
0: that the, yeah. the Premiership club wants to, clubs want to be involved in it. It is it's so much like the European Super League discussions that were being had where. Of that's they, that's that's
2: essentially people, what the premiership is.
0: Yeah, it is. It's it's owned by the clubs. The vast, or certainly the best part of it, or forty nine percent of it, or whatever, is owned by the clubs. The rest of it's owned entirely by a commercial venture. RFU have zero ownership and therefore zero say about what they do. Um, so the why television they, rights have got nothing to do with they're the putting RFU. money into
1: it. Uh, yeah.
0: No idea. But because the, what the RFU care about is, is England rugby, and, and they perceive that they've got to put money in because the clubs have got them over a barrel. To because of
2: be relief, to, eligibility and releasing the players clauses, from contracts. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, you've only really got to look
0: at... What what happens if they don't is the RFU go, go moaning to the to World Rugby, and World Rugby say, well, actually we can't really have a say over this because it's a commercial venture yeah. and the only the only people who could then have a say over it is the european club rugby thing whatever they're called who do E-C-P-R. the
2: ecpr
0: yeah but then they're not going to go actually we don't want the english clubs involved because they bring value to the product so everybody's over a barrel over this apart from the premiership
2: yeah and they'll make money I say make money. Some of, <laughs> some of them, some of them make money, very small amount, do.
0: But yeah, so and they make pro- money out of the pockets up. of their chairman.
2: Yeah, and well, absolutely. But then they uh, they're propped up by the money that they get from the RFU to release their them marquee players. And all, all that will happen eventually is that the international windows will get smaller and smaller. Players will have injuries, in inverted commas, so they're not released for England duty. And it'll become in this, this club versus country battle.
0: And summer the- tours summer tours will be like the autumn tour has been for Japan and Tonga. Yeah. It'll be a second string of players going on a summer tour because there'll be people pulling out with bruised metatarsals two days before the and, game so that they can stay with their clubs because that's yeah. who's paying their wages.
2: And all the while, the championship will disintegrate into nothing because where is where's the commercial value in a competition where there is no no real jeopardy i mean i see that i think that about the premiership at the moment you've only got to look at some of the the games that are going on in the premiership and that have done for the past 18 months to realize that no relegation and zero jeopardy just leads to general apathy and with the championship you look at yeah i mean I'd, I'd love to put a set i'd love to find a, a percentage i'd love to find a a number of players currently playing regular first team rugby at the moment that have look, played for there, championship there, clubs
1: there's hundreds of them mate you yeah know, i know there are but we've, uh, we've sort of discussed that at length i mean my my i'd like to take it back to how there, there was a time if you can remember when 3D TV was a thing.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
1: And I worked quite extensively on that. And one of my sort of, it ended up failing. But one of the things that I used to take into meetings that I had with certain um, parties that were involved in it was that if you don't believe in this as providers of this service and producers of this kind of television... Why is anyone that's out there going to buy it? Because they'll understand that even the people that are making it don't believe in it. And I feel like that's how the premiership is at the moment, uh, how the championship is at the moment. Why should anyone care about it? And why should anyone, why would you ever sponsor a championship rugby team? Why would you ever get involved with a championship rugby team on a, on a corporate level or, why would you ever use it as um an aid to business when even the governing body of that league that's written all over the names of the branding and all over the names of the the, the clubs clearly don't believe in it. it 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 seems mental to me that anyone would be involved in it and and for just a minimal amount of foresight and almost not taking a punt but just having a little bit of conviction around what you could achieve with that product it could change the whole rugby landscape and my my guess would be that they're being asked not to by the premiership clubs for fear of their product being diminished as well i think there's a little bit of an element of um you know, let's keep the, the the fans that we have got for us and and not for anyone else.
0: So to add context to that, Doug, the top sponsor listed on the Cornish Pirates website is Penzance Leisure Center.
2: I was just look I was just looking at that to see who the shirt sponsors were for the for the championship rugby clubs.
0: So they're because they're advertising to people who are going to come to the gate. So they're advertising to that one to f- Three thousand people who are going to turn up to a home match it's you're not going to bring in the big bucks doing that um and if you're not going to bring in the big bucks because it's not on telly you're you're also not going to help build that product is it's a circular system if you look at you look in football uh the clubs that have a decent FA cup run, the non-league, lower league clubs that end up getting a lot of money through gate receipts for, for those games, but also end up then getting exposure. And as a result of that exposure, are then all negotiating better sponsorship deals. It's become self-perpetuating, but I mean, probably one of the first things that's worked down this, this direction or, or, Maybe it wasn't one of the first things, but one of the, the big things is a, is a loss of a pyramid or cup um, competition. And instead, we've had various incarnations of a shitty Premiership cup, cup or an Anglo-Welsh Cup that nobody cares about that becomes an under-21s cup for I, the, the team. I'd,
2: I'd stop short. Like, you know, I said we said about a Pilkington Cup from all levels where you can have your amateur guys that would then get weeded out as you go further up the pyramid, blah, blah, blah. I'd, I'd settle for a cup competition that just involved the championship clubs
0: straight straight knockout yeah yeah 32, yeah, yeah. 32 clubs or yeah. call it i don't know 26 clubs and those those top six from the premiership get a bye to the second round
2: yeah or just or just or just, whatever, or just have a bite. yeah, just have in a, a bite. Straight,
0: in a straight knockout competition
2: yeah i agree i absolutely agree and at least it gives those it gives gives those championship clubs the ability for, for some further exposure as well. I was just trying to look at the sponsors. I mean, the Jersey Reds were a little bit different. They had some fairly major backing as far as sponsorship goes within there. And
1: probably companies um, based in the tax tax haven of well, Jersey,
2: Santander, um, yeah. yeah, banks, etc. Um, but yeah, you look at some of the others, but. Um, Doncaster Knights red their their red kit was sponsored by a company called MF Hire tool hire company like what national business national sponsor is going to get behind a championship when they've yeah. when they've got no when they've got no national no exposure.
1: exposure and and yet here we are flogging women's rugby to death which is clearly an inferior product than the the championship you know trying to fool ourselves into thinking that that product's worth the investment that the championship isn't. It,
2: and I suppose that's kind of the thing, isn't it? You know, could we, could it be surmised that money that, that could be used to, uh, to, uh, in, to expose <laughs> the championship is being funneled into.
1: Well, dun- I mean, the, th- the thing with all that is the premiership aren't, Mugs, they're they're cottoning on. I mean, even Northampton now have teamed up with Loughborough. So the the plan is that you know we'll well what we'll do is we'll just piggyback off these women's teams and and we'll get a bit of goodwill and maybe a little bit of extra income because we're funding this women's team.
2: Will look like great guys that's driving
1: fans away from Championship rugby because a lot of those teams. You look at sort of Darlington, Moden Park. They were always a good women's team, and they got a men's team in the national league. Uh, um, it, it just Hartbury, They're now aligned with Gloucester still, and you know it. It just um, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not really sure what the answer is because it doesn't seem like anyone really cares, <laughs> apart from pretty much everyone that's into rugby.
2: Yeah.
1: Outside of an RFU suit.
2: And that's the problem, isn't it? We don't have any um
1: any way to make anything happen. That... I don't I don't know how many more seasons we have to go through saying that nobody wants the Premiership Cup before they understand that nobody wants the Premiership Cup. Yeah. And how many premiership squads we need with seventy plus players when only twenty of them ever play or thirty of them ever play. I think the problem when is Doug that players... like the top
0: guys at the RFU don't or the or the premiership, don't listen to our podcast. That's the big issue. Well, it's, it's not, not just, just our time, podcast, is it? is it? It's not just <laughs> us. No, I know. But yeah, like the whole premiership cup thing. You know what? I I don't really mind there being an under-23s cup or a second team cup or whatever you want to call it to stick well, in call, call it during that. The, call it that then. Don't the call Six it the premiership. Nations. But call it that. Exactly. Exactly. Call it that and give the championship sides an opportunity to get some exposure through.
2: It's something else. It's the it it's the LDV Vans Trophy equivalent. It's like putting the under twenty. Not even that,
1: mate. It's not even that. It's the under 23s league in the in the Premiership. The you football, know, the football got, combination, the reserve teams, and they have the under twenty three. So even you know the older players can't get a game anymore. Yeah, They're too old to play for the under twenty three. So it, it just um. Why why is the Premiership Cup? given television time, but the second tier of English rugby isn't.
0: Again, I, it's... Why uh, is it funded? But why is and, it sponsored? But again, I
1: don't understand. Again,
0: actually thinking about it, they don't even need the Premiership Cup in whatever format it is because they've got the A-League. That the, that, that well, the they haven't got the A-League bring.
1: at the moment, have they, because of all the COVID regs? But, but in theory, that's
0: in theory, that product yeah. has been but, there.
1: I mean, why do we need an A-League?
0: It's it's giving game it's giving game time to the squad to develop and to become part but, of the play. Because, You're right, it's, it's because
1: not, it... all, all the A League does, if you actually go back through the history of the A League, is give clubs the opportunity to keep more players on the book, so yes. the else. Yeah, and yeah, in but a lot that's... of cases, they're they're sending out SOSs to local clubs. Guess not even in Bedford's at Northampton and and Ampt Hill and 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 Richmond. They're quite lit quite literally going to fourth tier clubs to pick players to play in the A-League. Wasps did it a couple of years back where they they basically.
0: But that's second team rugby throughout every tier of it, isn't it? Yeah, but but,
2: but that shouldn't, that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be second team professional rugby, reserve team rugby. Shouldn't be, you know, that's the, the point when they've got squads of 60 players or 50 players or however many it is. And they you shouldn't still need can't to go f- elsewhere. You shouldn't still can't fulfill an A-league fixture. And you're getting someone from fucking Met Police or, you know, scumfort paraplegics to, to come and play for you. You know, what, what, what goodness is that providing for anyone?
0: Other yeah, than that. the, the other players like that. You're right. There's, there's an issue
2: for the one guy that gets to turn up and put on a wash shirt on a Monday no, night. No, no, no. And no, it's, probably it's steals for the, the
1: stash. It's which it's will for immediately the, go in the clubhouse above the bar. Yeah, it's for play
0: the, for Wasps. The Sean, it's for the Sean Lonsdales and the likes who, who play in those fixtures so that then the following season, when, they, when they're when they playing in the first team fixtures, they've had more exposure and more game time for things. And they could do that out on loan to a championship site. It's the other way to do it. Um, and that
2: that would be that would be for me a better I'd rather see I'd rather see that more dual registrations and
0: but and you could find a way to do that but kind of within, yeah allowing salary cap absolutely so privileges is the wrong but term. Then, but then but but then
2: that advantages. that then increases the that then increases the um quality of the championship it then gets more youngsters coming through for the championship clubs because they're playing potentially with these better players it allows those wage bills to become a little bit more sustainable in the championship because a lot of it's offset by the by some of the premiership clubs and those borderline players are still getting regular week-in, week-out competitive rugby to either find their way back to fitness from injury or to blood themselves if they're a bit younger in, in, in the ways of um, professional rugby. But yeah. with the support of the Premiership and the RFU. It doesn't need Premiership.
1: The, the, the Premiership, it doesn't need ship support. It needs to be its own thing. I think Does it? the time has come for the RFU to cut the reins on the premiership. And if they don't release their players, so be it.
2: I mean, that's never going to happen, is it? So why not, not think but, about it the other way around and go, well, actually, what about if the PRL made it the uh, premiership two or, you know, whatever it might well, I mean, be.
1: Premiership two is a great idea, but I don't think there's enough clubs that now the the answer to that would be, as I mentioned a year or so ago, where whereby you say anyone that wants to be part of this has to demonstrate that they can they can afford it and they can buy in and, and put money in holding to, to protect against bankruptcy and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, unfortunately, I think there'd only be three or four extra clubs, but you could make it work with a two-conference system like they do in the... Um, Urc, you, there's any number of ways you can make it happen to increase the pool of professional teams in in the UK, in in England. But I mean, you could go as far as to ask, well, do the do the Scottish provinces want to join the the English structure? Do the Welsh provinces want to join the English structure? Um, to in, to increase that competitiveness and
2: because we because we said this before, didn't we? Because if you take those, if you take those, um,
1: they effectively 14... did in the amateur days, right? They all played against all the Welsh clubs, played against English clubs.
2: Yeah. So why not? Why not have two fourteen-team uh, leagues? Or you know, again,
0: or away I mean, ultimately that doesn't
1: solve the issue of getting the. The, no, it doesn't. Clubs, the traditional English pyramid—it doesn't solve that issue. It just moves the issue because then you've got more professional clubs, and you've got um, the, the issue is um, certainly from my perspective. I want as a as a rugby fan, I think it is negligent from the RFU not to have that their marquee division, their marquee domestic league, not being shown to the public. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think that's a good, that's a good place to, to end that, um, on the, on that point. So we'll, we'll move on from there. Um, last week, some big news coming out of world rugby, uh, around eligibility criteria, um, a bit odd. It seems a, an odd time to, um, to announce it right after the autumn internationals have, have finished, um, lots of interested parties but phil what do you what do you make of the the revised eligibility criteria and and how it's going to impact international rugby moving forward
0: so i i think they've i still have this fear that um and and i actually raised this down dan leo's been the primary proponent of this pushing it forwards i raised it um on twitter to him probably five or six months ago saying that is the risk not that um, it almost encourages even more the, the first tier the top tier nations going and harvesting players from second tier countries because those players then know they can go back and play for those countries uh, at a later stage and that some of the measures that are in place and um, uh, minimise the risk of that but that is still very much a risk and and the risk was there always anyway that anybody who's half decent who's Tongan or Samoan they'll try to get capped for New Zealand Australia whoever so that those those players are then sealed into those countries Um, but I do think it's a good thing that uh, people who played for one country can then go back and play for the for the country of their birth. And that's effectively that's that proviso, I think, is is a really good thing. That it's not that you can say, I don't know, play for Australia, get 10 caps, move to Scotland, and then qualify for Scotland on residency once you're no longer good enough to play for Australia. It the country that you go back to play for can only be the country of your birth or your parents or your grandparents. I'd say your grandparents, they're they're probably dead by should be your parents or or you the country of, the, of your birth or your parents' birth, you should be able to go back and play for. Um, I think the time scale is is long enough that it kind of prevents people doing things deliberately. Um, I think there should potentially be a cap limit on it. Um, but other than that, I think it's probably, with a few reservations, the, the best solution to the problem that we've got at the moment in that these these in in particular pacific island countries are suffering from people they're they're good players going to play for countries that will pay them considerably more money
2: and that's the that's the key isn't it what what i fundamentally money and glory disagree with for this whole thing is the Oh, I'm gutted. I can't play for, please let me play for the country of my birth. I'm, you know, I really want to go represent my country and I feel like I'm being hard done by when at the very start of it all, they're the ones that jump ship to make a few extra quid, which you've got no problem with. It's a short sure. career. Make, make all the money, make all the money you can, but don't, so act, don't act like you're hard done by. By making that choice, and because you're no longer getting picked, because the next one, the next cab off the rank has passed you by, you've had your three, four years, or whatever it is, because the next cabs come round and push you Look, out. Looking squarely
1: at some of the Kiwi fly halves, there, right? Well, uh, you,
2: you Wh- could pick any wingers? number of you could pick any number of people, right? But the the woe is me that I've heard and the vitriol around some of the, the things that have been said, like pre this announcement. And when they're the ones that made the decision in the first place, you've well, got to, you've got you've Char- got to stay by that Phil, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, yeah,
0: totally. If you take the example of um, Charles Pyrton, Charles Pyrton went to go and play for New Zealand because he was making a damn type more money playing in New Zealand than he would have been playing back home. Um, and was getting a lot more money and a lot more kudos playing internationally for New Zealand. He then could make a lot more money saying, sod my international career. I'm going to go and play in England, then Ireland, then England again. Um, And now he's going, oh, great, I can go back and play for the country of my birth. Well, the reason you couldn't was because you chased money twice. And if you would have even just chased it once and gone to New Zealand and stayed in New Zealand for a bit longer... You wouldn't be past to five years now, so you wouldn't be eligible. So he's only eligible because of his double greed playing for New Zealand. And, and, then and, he, away from and New he's Zealand not even more money. He's not the fine. only one. He's, he's perfectly entitled to do that. That's fine. And now he, he's probably going to go and play for play for the country of his birth and be treated like a hero for for doing so. And. Yeah I don't know. The whole thing yeah. is a bit messed up and it's just a, a demonstration of inequality within the game and within the world in general. That, that's that what it's, to do this.
2: That's what it's really highlighted is is around the inequality that some of the smaller nations have uh, you know uh, um, possess. And like I say, I've got no problem with these guys traveling around to make a lot of money, right? Short career it's it's high impact it's high energy right fair enough go are you good at it go and earn your money but don't pretend like you're the ones being hard done by because you can no longer play international rugby that is what the whole bullshit thing is for me so if you're going to go back and play for tonga fine you know it's one of those things if you're going to go back and play samoa if you're going to go and play for whoever you know fine the likes of, um, you know, Alex Ozovsky, who can play for Italy, the likes of Zach Mercer, who potentially could play for Scotland, like whatever. But, links, but, you're only, but you're only, but you're only what the issue, the kind of issue is, you're only one manager sacking away from being back in the fold. If, Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, how, totally. In, or, rugby, in rugby, in rugby. M- international managers tend to stick around for a little bit longer. And in general, directors of rugby, they they, they get a lot longer than, than they do in, in football. But it's demonstrate, demonstrable in professional sport that you are only one managerial change away from being the flavour of the month again, or conversely, not
0: being flavour of the month again. So... If it if it leads to Tongan, Samoans, Fijians going back to play for them, which means that... Younger, up-and-coming Tongan, Samoans, Fijians play for them at a younger stage because they're getting to play with a uh, Charles Piotr or whoever so that that quality of talent pool stays within the country for longer. In five or ten years' time, the reality is you don't really need it.
2: Yeah. And you know what, Art? If those guys decide to do that and it makes New Zealand that much weaker, then inject it into my dick.
1: <laughs>
2: because essentially yeah. that is what will happen. And it might even it out a little bit. Or you 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 do away with all of these fucking residency rules altogether and you say you play for the country where you were born or your parents were born and that's it. Full stop. Done.
0: Yeah Not- and there are and there are issues to that um like, like what like uh is it was it Underhill was born in germany because his parents were on a air force base yeah, at uh, the time burned, or... the, yeah but okay um like and i'm talking and okay uh what's his name toby fallato well oh, to, sorry Taolupe fallato he was brought up and raised in wales he wasn't born there but he went there at a very young age um yeah. manu tuolangi manu tuolangi is english he's been here since he was like pre-teens. Um, and, and, that's, and that's kind of, if you're, if you're raised in a country, I think so,
2: it's a bit different. So there will be, no, there'll obviously be nuance.
0: Yeah. To a certain and, extent. And, and I think, yeah, if you're in a country by the age of whatever, pick up, draw a line in the sand under which kids are not going to be headhunted to go and play rugby but for a country. But, that, but that's, that's a country the, by then, then you that, that's that the
2: country. difference. Like let's say pre-15 years old, fine. Because you don't know what's going to happen after after that it's the, it's the guys that hop around after go oh, got a bit of a sniff of the money or got you know it's
0: it should yeah it's your wp Nels or your james lowes or your whatever doug where are you on this
1: um i think anything that raises the standard of international rugby across the board and stops the domination of three or four top teams could be great um I think there's any number of players that represented England that could go on and play for Scotland or, or, you know, S- any of S- the smaller summer, nations. Summer, summer. <laughs> uh, where you would go with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, I think it's a good thing. Um I did try to have a little rudimentary look for players that would be England players that we would be eligible for Scotland and Wales, because um, I'd rather any England players that were eligible for Ireland didn't play for Ireland. Um, but it turned out to be too much hassle, and I couldn't be bothered to finish it, so I didn't. Um, I think it's probably good for the Pacific Islands, but you've you've also got to ask in the majority of cases you're you're looking at players in almost exclusively in their 30s being added to squads that have sort of got a little bit of a thing going you know um i'm not sure that adding tangaelini ravoro to the fiji squad makes fiji better Fair, um yeah. it, i mean adding Richie Moonga to tonga not Richemont, who's the uh, Lima Sopoanga to Tonga. Does that make Tonga better? Probably. But does it make them immediately eligible to get to World Cup quarterfinals and semifinals? But probably not. So I, I think guess... it's arguable it... or negligible the difference that it'll make, certainly at the next World Cup. Um Longer term, it it may well make a difference because players could get to the point where they finish a World Cup cycle with one nation and go, well, I'm 27 now. Um, it's, it, it's hit and miss whether I'll be eligible for the World Cup four years or whether I'll be good enough or even in the plans to keep playing for England or New Zealand or Australia or at the next World Cup. So do I turn down a selection for... Those nations and look to go to the World Cup in four years with my nation of birth or the nation. Right, if you if you're if you're, a, if you're
0: a Kiwi back three, and you've just done a World Cup cycle, you know you won't be there for the next one because that's well, what they do. Well, right.
1: quite. So, but also, I mean, there's any number of nations that could, you could you could say that about. So, could could you? I mean, what would be to stop for argument's sake? Were Gary Graham a little bit better? What's to stop Gary Graham saying, well, I'll go to this World Cup with Scotland. I'll immediately retire from Scotland and then I'll try and get in the England side for the next World Cup and I won't play for Scotland for the next three years. I'll give myself 12 months. Sorry? I'll give myself 12 months to get in that England squad. Exactly. (laughs) I I think you could start seeing players making that kind of decision. Your point about does there need to be a cap limit? I'm not sure how you can arbitrarily set a capital bit i mean warren gatlin did it for wales but i'm not sure that's manageable or even probably legal given the wording of how they've set out this stuff that's going to happen for well, next so, year. But so i think that the longer term effect will be that there'll be more south sea islanders doing a world cup cycle from the minute they get to new zealand to the end of that world cup and then going right I've done my New Zealand thing, next World Cup. I, I can get I've got my twenty caps for New Zealand. I'll go and get 70 for Tonga or yeah. Fiji and or uh, with, ions, and with and with
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> Papua New Guinea. Um yeah. with that in mind, what's the stop then? Richer richer premiership clubs or um super rugby franchises paying a player over the odds to declare where, where there is options one way or the other. So let's for argument's sake, say a player is born in England to an Australian mother and a New Zealand father could happen. What's, what's to, what's to stop nations or clubs or, or offering lucrative contracts
1: for, or nothing. If, if anything, it's it'd actually be quite clever, wouldn't it? You could you could pretty much say, well, how many test matches are you going to play for Australia in the next three years? You're going to play twenty twenty five test matches for Australia if you pick for everyone. Ten grand to go. You know, yeah. Is that? Do the maths, Phil. Two hundred fifty grand. Sounds about right. <laughs> we'll we'll stick an extra two hundred and fifty grand on your contract. You can come and play for us for three years for that extra two hundred and fifty grand for each year. So
0: we'll buy you a flat in North London as a sweet yeah,
1: and then you'll just go and play for Fiji or whatever.
0: Yeah,
1: can be done. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, I, I, and and I someone wonder, will and do. It. I, haven't,
0: I haven't quite worked this through in my head. I do wonder if it will reduce the risk of 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 kind of. I don't know if there's a technical term for it, but kind of poaching players and giving them a single cap to stop them moving to other countries. If well you like, just
1: you're just delaying it for you, three years, aren't you? Potentially well, yeah, exactly. you
0: are so well, capping 17, 18 year olds because you think they're
1: in Well, Ted Hill being the prime example, right?
0: Well, exactly. In in pointless shit summer um summer series. You give them a cap when the lines are away and you're effectively saying, "Okay, you're England third team, but now you can't go and play for Scotland or or Wales or Ireland or wherever your other country would be. Does that become less um, useful as a ploy? Because let's be honest, all countries have done it and England are as bad as anybody else it.
1: Among the worst, I would say. um,
0: but does that become less of a ploy if you're taking your 17 18 year old and you're saying well actually when you're 21 you can go and get start playing so, for Wales and get 80 caps for them anyway. So it, it so it doesn't matter so then, we doesn't now it doesn't discarded you.
2: So so with that in mind like and and you very rarely see 18 19 year olds playing international rugby even in those summer tours do. You? But the, the but Ted Hill played against New Zealand. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but uh, that's an exception rather than a rule, isn't it?
1: I still find that staggering that he got one test against New Zealand.
2: Yeah. Madness. But you could argue that it would just, it would happen even more because you could just say, well, you know, I'll pick you now. You can either, you can either come and play or not, but you know, in three years time, you can go and play somewhere else. If you're not good enough, come and give it a go. Come and give it a go, lad. You're only young. You're only 20. Have a little game. See if you like it. See if you fit in. If not, give it three years, stay at the top of your game. You can go and play someone else. There's even less consequence now, which may which would make you think it would happen even more
1: rather than less. I'm not, no, I'm not sure it would. I don't think there's the same incentive to cap these players that you're not completely sold on anyway, because what you're going to do, give them a cap every two and a half years, seems a lot of effort to go through. Yeah, no, stop, no, but the, stop players Rod.
2: But but then, <laughs> but then, but then players are even more easy, even more easier discardable. Not not that any international coach. I mean, I can't even think. Eddie I, Jones I, I, really cares. Sure, I don't right, think right, they so care. I, think. I don't think they care, mate. I don't think they care about the the feelings of the player whether they've got one cap or fifty
1: caps. But I don't. Think I don't Mr. think the they give a has shit. Change that. I think. No, that's uh,
2: that's what I mean. I don't think it's made decision, but I think it makes it more. I think it just makes it easier easier to do it, like com- compassionately. When I don't think compassion is really a factor,
1: I don't know. Well, I don't either, Russ.
2: Okay, but you're you're <laughs> disagreeing. But you know, I think I don't know. It's it's an in- it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Time will tell, won't it? Time will tell. Um, should we? should we leave that there i mean oh let's sure yeah,
1: let's leave it there russ
2: what the fuck is the matter with you <laughs> he's all giddy isn't he he's had a week off he's been a bit poorly and now he's yeah i was on my
1: i was on my uh, death's door of course you were you funny
2: um doug let's do some money line let's go through the money line for the weekend and we'll we'll reflect a little bit on the, uh, on the prem as we, as we go through.
1: Okay. Um, So we're going to start with, let's start with, well, the rundown of games. I think there's one, two, three games that are really going to be entertaining this week. There's one that I think could be an absolute shit fest. um, And two that are Okay. So, if, should we start with the worst game of the week, which is actually on Friday night? Oh yeah, cool. Uh, Gloucester Bristol.
2: The worst game of the weekend, Gloucester Bristol. I, I mean, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have thought that, the would you?
1: Worst game on the slate this weekend.
2: Bristol are really struggling, aren't they? It's yeah. a, it's an odd one this season, almost.
0: You know not having that. The likes of Rundrandra. Well, Doug, you said you said about. Um, we're only three or four games off, teams kind of mailing it in because they've got nothing left to play for this season. I think Bristol are probably there. They're probably there already. Anything not making
1: right, yeah.
0: top four was going to be seen as a failure for them. And I can't see them making top four. Well, um, not, not anymore. Five, it'd, be, it'd be some five run. games already. Um, now, obviously, they didn't see him play this week, but... Um, and Northampton are are, are generally playing well.
1: But when I have seen them play this season, they've been really uninspiring. So Bristol are third from bottom with 14 points. They're currently 11 points out of the top four, which that's a long way, isn't it? Yeah, it is a long way. A Gloucester, are sixth. I mean, they have 23 points, but I've watched Gloucester a number of times this year and they're not very good.
0: Oh, the top, for me, the top four stay as the top four are at the moment.
1: Well, so you think Northampton are going to stay in the top four over Exeter? I mean, if Northampton yeah. get a bonus yeah. point win this weekend, they'll be, well, six points clear of Exeter. Oh,
0: yeah. I called it at the start of the season. I don't think Exeter make the playoffs. Wow. It's interesting. Um, we'll come on when we we'll come on to Exeter in a minute, but you,
2: it is. You know, we said in a season where everybody potentially will, could be, and might be anybody, and it just stays really close and no team will really run away with it. Leicester, Leicester are top at the moment by, what, 8 points, 7 points. But they're not, no one's running specifically away with it, and I don't think they will. All teams will be resting players. All teams will rotate, and teams will... Will pick up defeats. Some teams will pick up more defeats than others, and I think Exeter will pick up more defeats this season <laughs> that was than than they ever, than they have, than they than they have in recent seasons. Simply because they are uh, just look just look what at the way they're, they're not as good. No, and and they're missed. They've, they've been missing some players through through injury.
1: I think we're we talking wasps on here?
2: Yeah, sorry, we're going. Yeah, let's talk. Um, Bristol and Gloucester because that's what you're talking about um, so on the money line where is the game is, is it at King's Home on Friday night Doug uh,
1: the game is at Gloucester so okay yes. on the, on Gl- the pl- Gloucester to me Gl- Gloucester to me are a funny team they they don't have many st- I mean when you've got Billy 12 Trees running in 40 metre tries it, you know Ollie Thorley seems to have I mean, maybe Eddie Jones was right about Oli Thorley because he's done nothing this season, from what yeah. I can see. Um, they seem to get away with it quite a bit. They've got—I love their new number eight. He—he's he, played, I think, nine, eight or nine games for them. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Someone will, someone will be shouting at their radio, but I can't. Remember. He looks a very good player, but just Clement. Emmon, there's, the, there's the boy. He, he looks a decent player, but I don't know. They're just two teams that just are lacking something for me. I, I'm not sure what. I mean, you could say Bristol are lacking a semi-round render. But, you know. uh, Bristol, I
0: think Bristol are missing more than that, but I, I don't know. I think Gloucester, because we're so used to them doing a Gloucester and looking half-decent for about 15 minutes and looking despicably average for about 50 and then throwing it away at the end of it actually for for all of that they lost their first three matches of the season and, and then they've been squeaking wins left right and centre and I think they'll do it again against Bristol to be honest but I think that's probably more a reflection of Bristol than it is of Gloucester Uh, yeah I think I think Bristol were so
2: exceptional last season I think they were they were for, for 95% of last season, they were quite convincingly the best team. They're probably the best team to watch. I mean, a lot of Harlequins fans will will disagree with that. But I think as a team, and when they lost that semi-final in extra time, you know when it just felt like the, the, that Bristol bubble just completely burst and they're struggling to to get back any continuity off the back of it? And it, you talk about teams having their window know, yeah, Bristol seems to have slammed firmly shut off the back of that semi-final. Um, having said that, the way that Gloucester tend to play and the, the games I've watched them this season on that on that newly um, crowned plastic pitch, you know, you know, like Kenilworth Road was in the eighties. That's the point of road
1: in the eighties mate was one of the worst places to play football in the country. I played on it
2: on that plaster, proper old school plastic proper pitch.
1: old school Ash turf plastic. Yeah. That, Real
2: hard Sandy, like yeah. playing on
1: concrete basically. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. horrendous. Um,
2: but obviously Gloucester's 4G isn't like
1: that, but yeah. I think that um, also Gloucester's 4G, one of the most stupefying, Decisions I've ever known in rugby. I don't understand <laughs> yeah. why they felt the need to do it. They had a decent track. I
0: know, yeah. And, and had a decent different. track in a, a history of forward based rugby. Yeah. yeah. Man, real, nice. real odd.
2: Um, I, I'm going to say that on the money line this week, that in my opinion, it should be Bristol by a hair. But I think based on form and the fact that Gloucester are at home, the money line will say Gloucester by five.
0: 8. Gloucester, Gloucester by, by 8. Five. Yeah. I reckon Gloucester by 8. Well, both... they've, only, they've only lost one since 24th of September.
2: <laughs> uh, but the bookies have got Bristol.
1: No, uh, they've actually got Gloucester by 4. So oh, Here we go. Here we go. Now we're yeah. cooking. Gloucester by 4. I find that staggering. I, I, Both teams will do their best not to win. Um, But I think, I'm going to say a draw on this one. Oh, imagine. Yeah. Um, The other game that no one's going to care about, Worcester against Wasps. Uh,
0: Uh, Couldn't care um, less. (laughs) I
2: mean,
0: Wasps by 10. Uh, Yeah, Wasps
1: by, yeah, 15. Uh, Russ is going to get that one again. Of course he is. Wasps by three. Wasps by three? Yeah, I mean, it? I at the Wasps bullshit. game yeah. on Friday and their centre partnership was Michael Le Bourgeois and Josh Bassett. And <laughs> Gloucester, it's no wonder Billy 12 tree was running tries in from 40 yards because that is not a centre partnership that would be striking fear into the hearts of many, um. is it? Josh no. Bassett, he yeah. played at 13. They had Josh Bassett, at, no, Josh Bassett at 12, I think. What? And Le Bourgeois at 13 with Francois Huha on the wing.
2: Oh yeah, they had players drop out late, didn't they? Yeah. they and late... I've
1: got to be honest, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I even said it on talkback quite loud and I hope nobody at Wasps heard it, but Jacob Bumanga, if his name was Jacob Smith, would be playing in National 2.
0: Yeah. I... I... I do not see it at all. He He's,
1: is slow. He knocks he the ball all the time, makes bad decisions. He wears leggings. Yeah. It's just, it, it, the whole thing is just a He's bad look. got shit hair in as well, hasn't he? Oh, goodness me. Honestly, the play, he is comfortably, for me, one of the worst fly halves in the premiership. And the, another thing we should revisit is the um, the Dalton line for the fly halves. Yeah. Through the season.
2: Um interestingly, you say they started who hard on the wing and yeah. Bassett in the centres. Yeah. yet, yet kept Goppeth on the bench.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't think GoPath wants to start this season. I don't well, I think he's got no I mean, interest
1: in starting. That's Because he's 908. Yeah, that's right. That, but but surely
2: sh- surely if you're the director of rugby at wasps and you've got the choice of putting Josh Bassett at twelve and bringing who hard on the wing or saying to your yeah. you know one of your premier backs, even if you are 45, mate,
1: you got to start at 12 here because... Listen, mate, if he'd have played in the ball up for Incentational, he would have been comfortably the oldest player on the pitch.
0: <laughs> and and given that every time he goes near kicking a ball, the, all the commentators talk about is how he was brought up kicking in really windy Taranaki. Like, he'd be perfect. Where, where so he hasn't what,
1: played for roughly exactly, 35 yeah. years. <laughs>
0: He'd be perfect
1: for <laughs> since, in those since, kind of conditions on th- um, 35 years since, since he was a cult. Yeah. I think the most worrying thing about that game was the crowd. There was no one there, even for Wasps.
2: Uh, that, that was mentioned, I saw you? that mentioned on, on Twitter by, by someone about like, there was a couple of crowds, less than um, less than 4,000 crowds. There was one obviously at Newcastle, which was the late uh, postponement and um, time shift and stuff. But there were a couple of others where there were less than 4,000 people attended. That'll probably be less than League Two football. Plymouth yeah. Argyle had 15,000 people there. Did they really? Yeah. Regularly getting over 10,000 people, Plymouth. Regularly. Tell us every you what home need game. To
1: know about the product at the moment. Yeah. <clears throat> so moving on, Russ, you're 2 nil up. You need one more to avoid the Ooh, defeat. Um, it's about time. We'll go for the least sexy of the two remaining games. Northampton against Bath at the Cinch Stadium at the Franklin's Cinch, Gardens. The Cinch Stadium. Fucking suck.
0: Uh, yeah, th- yeah, that can do one. Um, I don't even really want to talk about this now, Doug. No, you said that.
1: Okay, give me a number because it's nearly your bedtime. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay. Uh, Saints by nine, Russ. It'll be more than that, but
2: so uh, I saw signs of life in Bath on Friday night. Watching watching Bath against Exeter. And Exeter haven't been great this season,
0: but Pat looked really good the first half. Bath pack looked really good first half. They yeah. la- they they
2: lacked a bit when Miles Reed went off. I thought he he's he was outstanding for the time that he was on the pitch, and he really tried them forward. He he sort of en- encompasses the the energy that you want from your, from your back row and him and Underhill, um, really really drove them forward. I really like the look of Maxajomo. Um, you know, we talk about him a lot, but Josh McNally is. The he's a great player, and he pisses all over Charlie Eales. I mean, what? And I'm not a second row, but I watched the pair of them get around the pitch, and Charlie Eales is lazing by comparison. The
1: other, the other great thing about Josh McNally is that three minutes into a game, he looks like he's played for 97 minutes. Yeah, he like, looks exactly he, the same. He takes his tracksuit top off and immediately looks fucked. <laughs> yeah, he Bunch looks the same minute one. Him minute 80
2: yeah and and buff had like and um, Bayless was was the other one who who was really good and like they controlled the Bath seemed to control the game really well in the first half they they kept possession they forced X Ex- to make mistakes um i thought that well spencer kicked brilliantly and where buff where buff lost it really was in the second half after sort of 65 minutes they were they were up they were they were comfortable and they took off Spencer and Bailey in a double substitution, brought on uh Joe Simpson and Danny Cipriani, old uh stable door Cipriani and his or saloon door Cipriani and his defensive um capability. Um, and they took off tackle to make, two, two minutes late. No, no, it wasn't, but the scrum was being so harmonized, he, but, so but Tom. It so so Ellis, yes, it's Ellis's tackle to make, but the scrum was going backwards. And if he'd stepped off that scrum, even for half a second, it would have been a penalty try anyway, probably. So he, he had to make a decision. And Simmons is so quick. He's so quick that I'm not entirely sure he would have made that tackle, even if he was ready for it. I'm, I'm, I, I was going to I'm ask not, you a
1: question, actually. I'm not
0: buying that at all. I want to ask, ask you a
1: question about that that try. Yeah, I've watched it a number of times and it seems like Joe Simpson doesn't communicate that percent. Um, Simmons picks the ball up because the bath eight still got his head up the second row's ass as he crosses the line.
0: 100%. Yeah. So um, you got two things there. Ellis has to have his, has to at least be looking through his eyebrows. Cause you know, you know, Simmons is going to pick and go there. 100% you know, he's going to do it. So he's got to he be. He telegraphed
1: least... it by switching out to the open side, right? So he, he went into the gap between the flanker and the eight rather Yeah. Than, yeah.
0: Yeah, which says, I'm not pushing, I'm waiting for that ball to come, and then I'm going with it. Um, it was absolutely telegraphed. And he, he's got to, at the very least, have his chin off his chest and, be, and have his eyes open. And then as soon as you see the guy's feet move, or you're watching the ball, and as soon as the hands are on the ball, you can get up and you can move. Um, he didn't even that, let
2: a glove on him, Fell.
0: He, 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 he was still bound, bound
2: when Trump Simmons was over the, the try, try line.
0: That's what i And that does was, Simmons, was the flanker. Does Simmons still scored the try, probably, but he has to at least move. But you're right. The second point on that is Simpson's got to be absolutely screaming that the ball's gone, um, and and at least then it's somebody else. Sure. Do
2: you not think though, like from a defensive uh, point of view, yes, you've got to trust your flanker to make a tackle, but in, in that era, they they are dead underneath the middle of the posts. You would almost have like a, a guard on either side that says, well, you know, if they're going to, if he's going to pick and they make him ship it wide, make him do something. If we have a guard either side, that's going to meet him as well as the flanker from either side, then at least we got half a chance. If we're trying, if we're going to make him pass, anything could happen, but at least they'll score wide.
0: Yeah, and you see what uh, I mean? There so is you a can bit you can can yeah, for that definitely. Yeah, you just have it. you
2: have your you have your yeah. centres literally your as a card on it on on yeah. either side of the on either side of the scrum. Could they well, only you, really need it.
0: you still, only need it on the open side because you your, your nine should be able to at least slow them down to give your blind side a chance yeah, to get up. Say
1: say what you're gonna say there though, no? because that's you might have just popped into my head as well. Well, could could you not have taken your flankers off the scrum and put in your wingers to play as flankers? and then st- stood your flankers on the posts.
0: I I think you're asking for a penalty try if you do that. Right. Especially,
1: especially as the,
0: um, because especially, you're, because you're signposting it so
1: strongly. I mean, yeah. And I guess the, they the did get going to be concertina in though. the scrum yeah. previous, didn't they? So, yeah. Um, but I mean, you could, take, you could take Underhill off. I mean, I'm not sure he was on the pitch. I think Rocco Dagoone was off, wasn't he? Yeah,
2: Rocco was off. Yeah, it was McConaughey and
1: Muir, wasn't it, on the wings? Well, you could put Muir's basically a second row anyway.
0: Yeah, it's flipping huge. You could play, you could play him on the flank. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, the other point I wanted to make about Bath is that when Tom Dunn was t- people talking about him for England selection, and and I think he he was in the squad and then he got a couple of injuries at just the wrong time. Um, And he was this, he was this absolute tackling machine who just, he would smash anything and everything that moved and would hit his arrows pretty well as well. And he's just turned into an absolute liability. He's a penalty machine, gives away three or four stupid penalties every match for just diving over the ball or arguing with the ref or just, stepping over offside or something and it like you just if you played with him you just want somebody to drag him aside and go what the fuck are you doing you dick just chill your beans
1: a bit yeah Yeah. i think think he he got a lot of hype after that northampton game didn't he where he um you know where he's shouting yeah take the scrum, take the scrum," and then they beat up one of the worst scrums in premiership history (laughs) yeah maybe that's sort of gone to his head um Let's move on, Russ. You said um, no, Phil. You said plus nine, didn't you? Um, yeah. Saints, uh, Russ. Um,
2: yeah, it's it's. I'm going to go more than that. I'm going to go Saints plus twelve.
1: Okay. Well, um, it's actually Saint uh, Saints by nine. So Phil, that one right still now. in it. Extends the competition somewhat. Um, yeah. So we've got three games left, all pretty good. Uh, the worst of the three, in my view, London Irish against the Falcons.
0: I, uh, you, and me, you and me, both Russ saw a chunk of the Irish game against Quinn's, and they looked really good. They've they've assembled a squad of mid-thirty-year-old quality internationals.
1: They, particularly they've in the yeah, they, they, augmented by a load of kids that are brilliant. Yes, it
0: is. Yeah, exactly. Um, And in Jackson, Coleman, Simmons and Crevy, they've they've got quality there. Rona. Mate, Curtis Rona was was unbelievable. He ran into
2: Luke Northmore at one point and Northmore did not know what day of the week it was. He tried tackling him with his forehead. Yeah, it was fucking ridiculous. (laughs) But Um, but the Irish would have been out of sight.
0: If Tom Pardon had, had... just made two different decisions. No, no, no. It was Hassel Collins twice. Yeah. It's Hassel Collins. Yeah. yeah. And they would have been outside.
2: It it was a lot tighter than it, And it had to be for Irish because all Hassel Collins had to do was pass it once on two occasions. And it was a walk-in. Yeah. But Nick Phipps, um, and Jackson and let's say Creevy, Adam Coleman, I think is underrated and, and doesn't really get the, the kudos he deserves for his leadership role in that team. I think he's brilliant. Um, and Rogerson as well. And they like us say the back three when they had Loader playing Hassel Collins, they had a guy called Roe, Scottish lad called Roe playing yeah, on the got caught a out a little bit on the Saturday. on the first half, yeah. but but they're, 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 a, they're a good little team, London Irish. And what I like about Irish is even, like, they've got a real dogged attitude. There's, a, there's at least two or three occasions in the last 18 months where they've been the best part of 30 points down and they've, and they've come back to draw or win. And there's a lot of teams in the premiership that would have just fucking mailed it in by then. And, and that's what I like about them.
0: Well, they've drawn three games so far this season, which must be... Yeah some kind of record. Three out of nine is mad. Anyway, right, uh, and, get on and the Newcastle, money line. Newcastle look like they're going the other way. They look like they they started firing on all cylinders and are just faltering a bit. I oh, think no. Newcastle, Newcastle I
1: are. You, you need to throw that result out because, um I mean, it was a, a rearranged fixture. uh It was belting down with snow. I think Newcastle are a decent side. Although Carl Ferns remains the most overrated player in Premiership history. Um, I'm
2: gonna
0: say Irish
2: by six. Uh I'm going more than that, and I'm gonna say Irish by ten.
1: Uh Phil gets it again, Irish by seven. Oh fuck. Ooh, two each. Two two each. <gasps> okay, a couple of good games to end them. Uh well, certainly one on the Saturday that'll be uh entertainer i think this is the bt game but uh exeter against saracens
2: it's surely got to be the bt game and it like if it isn't it's got then... be, yeah
1: i think it is let me tell you because i <laughs> oddly i should know that because i put together the camera crews for this weekend so are you are you uh yeah, are you I've in got, the hub again yeah at the hub we've got irish newcastle worcester wasps and i'm directing northampton bath this weekend nice so big, big shot yeah. any tmo decisions <laughs> Against Northampton might be
2: kind of a big deal.
1: Oh, wait, well, you know.
2: Just make sure you get the, um, the right angles, though. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, Cheers, mate. Referee's the not, advice.
2: the referee's not been announced yet, though. Um, that usually comes a bit there. In the you know,
1: how you're wearing that hoodie. Yeah. It makes you look like you're a, a bell end emerging from a foreskin.
0: <laughs> in need of a trim.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, if there's one thing my head doesn't need, it's a trim. Um, Right, Um, it's an interesting one, this, because Sarah, well no it is, (laughs) because there'll be a bit of needle in it, I think that we'll see Exeter play, probably. well we'll see Exeter play their strongest side, which I don't think they've done yet this season. Um, They've been given a lot of game time to Harvey Skinner, they've played a few of the youngsters uh, in the row, um, in the front row as well, and, but. Having said all that, from what I've seen of from Saras's this season, it's like they've they've never been away. The game against sale on Sunday um, even good or good at 10 with Lazoski or Tomkins and Lazoski outside him they look fearsome. Itoji is his best Billy. And and Maco seems to have a a new lease of non international life. Like they look fresh and fit. Um, did what did you make? Did you watch any of the game yesterday?
1: I watched it all. Yeah.
2: What what did you make of the, the Ben, K, um, Austin, and it was it Ben? It was Ben, wasn't it? Ben K. What did you make of them and all they were wanking on about Swinson binding at the Rucks? Did you see that? And
1: what about the sort of reverse caterpillar?
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: I th- it's the most Saracen thing that could ever, they could have ever done this season, right? They've come up with a method to cheat legally.
2: Yeah. I which mean, I think can is you, brilliant. can you cheat legally? I don't know. There's
1: technically not cheating, but. Well, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So I, but... I think it's brilliant. And, and you could technically then say that if I'm bound, you can swing five players down the side of a caterpillar, right?
2: Yeah, like caterpillar off a caterpillar, then you're not. Yeah. Then you're all still bound. It's it certainly, it will be interesting to see where where they take it. Um But the Saracens just look completely the big red machine that they were previously, or the big black machine. You know, yeah, I
1: mean, they it must just be so demoralising. Like I've seen it a million times, but seven phases in, and you've moved the ball eight inches and.
2: And Sale are so used to to uh, dominating sides physically. The Depria de brothers beating things up up front. Van der Merwe, you know Van Rensburg breaking the gain line, and they 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 just did not go anywhere. They didn't go anywhere. And and when McGuigan got himself sent off for basically being a twat, you know, and he deserved every inch of that. Just get yourself so you you get in off, Byron, you're getting sent off because you're a fucking twat and you deserve it. Not because it was dangerous, not because it was really foul play, but because you were a bit of a twat. So you deserve to get it sent off. See you later. Yeah. That's what I'd love the, the conversation with Matt Carley to go like. Because everybody watching that would have gone. Yeah. Agreed. Thanks very much. Um, But I think this will be an absolutely fascinating game I think it'll be I think it'll be really really good to watch um but for money line purposes I think it'll be Saracen's by five
0: I'll be honest I am less positive from an extra perspective um I don't think they've been holding back quite as much as um Russ is implying I think they've actually and trying to play some of their better teams and they're just not clicking. Um, there are players getting a lot of game time who probably wouldn't have done if everybody was fit and they're still missing some players that I think is really punishing them uh, and yeah, it's their game, their whole game plan isn't clicking um, whereas Saracens bit of a rocky start but it's like they've never been away again as, as Russ says and I think the reality is that Saracens are probably going to win by more than Two clear tries, but for the purposes of this, what did you say, Russ? Five. I'm going to go eight.
1: And it's three. So, Shut Russ up. gets that one. So, Phil, you've got to take this one. I'd just like to point out that so far this season, Saints have beaten Gloucester, Bristol, Exeter. Um, and did we beat Harlequins? Or maybe we didn't. We've beaten some good teams this year. That's all I want to say. Uh, Last game then, uh, and it is the last game. It's on Sunday. It's at the Mattioli Woods Stadium at Welford Road. Leicester (laughs) Tigers against Harlequins.
2: (laughs) These fucking sponsored stadium names are
1: utter toilet, aren't they? I mean, it it, it is a... Can I say that word without it being picked up? from a rugby club to rugby club perspective it's like bending over and taking one straight up the sphincter but then getting paid 50 grand for it
2: yeah what do you know what Mattioli Woods is solicitors yeah wealth management Uh,
1: wealth management
2: I mean I don't even know what wealth uh, asset management it Mattioli Woods
0: there you go It's it's for people with more money than you and me Russ
1: uh, we we could do the uh, the the tropey kind of old oh, clash of styles this and that. I think the 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 larger point on this game is that Harlequins actually need to pull something out of their arseholes, don't they? Because uh, the wheels are coming off a little bit.
2: They are, and the fact that Leicester are in such great form kind of leans itself to everyone saying, "Oh yeah, Leicester are gonna they're gonna you know, you know just." Steamroller all over Quinns and the likelihood is that Smith and Don Brandt will be back. I think Quinns have, have really suffered and I said it all along. The minute those two guys are out, <laughs> are out of the team, they look a completely different entity. and that has kind of been the case. Esther Hazen was was doing his best even like but even Tommy Allen went off in the first half of the game on Saturday. And they, you know, the lad who came on whilst he did a, an okay job, is not Marcus Smith,
1: and uh,
2: the, well, look, no
1: one really is. So, the, the 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 facts are that they could be they could find themselves in sixth position after this weekend. Yeah, which yeah. Um, you know, considering how how they've been anointed as the 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 chosen ones, well, says a lot.
2: It does. It, it's Smith versus Ford. You know that would be it'd be an interesting to battle with regards to game management. Obviously, whoever's pack gets on top will will have an easier day. Um, well,
1: there's only one pack going to be on top, right? It's, it's how Quinns deal with that.
2: Well, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I think de- depending on if Don Brandt's if, Brand, if available, I think Kenningham has been you know has been a a constant. Shining light for them. I'm really impressed with Kenningham, um, and it, h- how they fitting around it. Marla, who did they have on the, in the row on on Saturday? They had Marla with. I tell
1: you, the player they're they're really missing is that that's that back rower that got injured. Yeah, Will Evans, Luke Wallace, Will no, Evans. Will Evans.
2: <laughs> yeah, not not Luke Wallace and his dislocated hip. <laughs>
1: He dislocated his hip.
2: Yeah, Luke Wallace did, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, no specific. thanks. Um, Will Evans, you're right, yeah.
1: I think they uh, really miss him. He's, it's a real shame. I, I thought he was England-level good when I saw him last year.
2: I mean, but the, the back row for, the back row for Quinns on Saturday against Irish was Chisholm, Lawday, and um, Kenningham. I decent, Lord, mate. I, I thought
0: Day looked all right. I thought I thought he played really really well, and I thought um, Levis, Louise. Stefan Levis played played a pretty good is game why we as need well. Ben but, here, yeah, exactly. But I mean, the the Leicester pack are just doing things at the moment, and um, yeah, I just even with Smith back, I just think everything's clicking in the right way in the right right time for them, um, and I think the bookies all. Uh, off a bye week, Leicester, as, well. as
2: well. That extra week's rest, whether that yeah. comes into it or not. I mean, I, d- I don't know what the stats are for teams coming off bye weeks this season. But, you know, I, I can't imagine yeah, it would make that much bit nice. Why would we change um, the habit of a lifetime?
0: Exactly. Uh No, I'm going to go Leicester by five.
2: I'm going to say um more Leicester by eight.
1: And the winner of this week's, um, I guess the lines is no one because Phil wins, it was Leicester by four.
0: Do I, uh, do I not win by virtue of getting one exactly spot on? No. No. No,
2: no, no, you don't. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for that. Um, should we get on to any other business considering, Roger. we're already past Phil's bedtime. that yeah. This nice quick pod is, uh, yeah, cool.
0: Um, phil you go first then um just want to speak very quickly about uh coronavirus there was a a long thread on the twitter group about coronavirus um that i tried to keep out of and then told russ that he was talking shit um but you know what people are allowed opinions and that's perfectly fine you're allowed to feel how you feel about stuff you're allowed to feel that you don't want to have a mask on or you don't want to be told what to do, or you don't want to take the risk of going outside because you're worried about it. You're allowed to be afraid. That's all good. What you're not allowed to do. And what pisses me off is when people make up shit and make up lies, facts are facts, opinions are opinions. And there's people on both sides of the argument, making up lies to, to back up their argument. Um, and you know what? Just say how you're feeling and behave how you want to feel, and that's
1: fine by me. That's it. Fair one. Douglas? A couple of things this week. Um, first off, Russ coming through absolutely clutch again and getting the cricket ticket. So big thanks to you for that. Yeah, we're um, going to the test match. Never in my life have I ever met such a doer. <laughs> I think in Apart in, from uh, Apart from the assisted, Mark 2 Yeah um, um,
2: I think they call it In in With the guys I play golf with They call
1: it being a busy cunt You are a busy cunt Yeah Without <laughs> <laughs> a <laughs> um, There was something else That I wanted to say But it's completely Gone out of my head um, oh, Ball bags That's annoyed me I guess we'll never know
2: I guess we'll never know. Uh, I haven't really got anything. There's a couple of bits of news that that are making me laugh around this whole um, Maxwell and Epstein um, case that they're banning all media and all people from the courtroom from, like it's some kind of weird conspiracy. Um, Tottenham, uh, Premiership football still being um, called off at the last minute because of a bit of snow. I find that fucking incredible in this day and age that that, that can still happen. Just get the orange ball out. Get the orange ball out. They were still trying to clear the snow with brushes. And, you know, I saw one, I saw, I thought, was it a, uh, it might have been a, a Scottish football, uh, Scottish League football, where they had a basically a snow plow on front, on the front of a, isuzu trooper or something and they were just br- literally just driving this wagon all over the pitch just that name clearing as the-
1: mr plow <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you listen to last week's long supper um i remember what my other uh aob was go on em um about two years ago i started following this ex gerker on their uh, twitter you who... are you going to
0: say? This ex girlfriend,
1: <laughs>
0: I started following my ex girlfriend,
1: mate. If I followed all my ex girlfriends on Twitter, I'd be following upwards of six people. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I started following this ex Gurkha on Twitter who was an ex, um, special forces soldier who, who, who'd left the military and was planning on climbing all 14 of the, the, um, uh highest peaks in the world which are all over eight thousand meters and he he was doing it in as short time as possible and um I happened to turn on netflix today and lo and behold there's a documentary about it um it's an hour and forty minutes long so it's a bit of a commitment but this dude is i mean he's he's, he's not human he, what what he did and what like his outlook on on life and the way carries himself and everything else about him is if you've heard nothing about it, uh I would advise you you watch it. Um the guy's name is Nims Purger. Um and he climbed all fourteen 14- <laughs> so sounds, sounds
2: sounds like a, a bit of a superhero.
1: Well mate, A he was a Gurkha so he's already pretty mental. Yeah. B, he was in the SBS. So oh, even more mental even more mental C is climbed an 8,000 meter peak, which I've literally got a book. And I can say that because I have got multiple books about people who have climbed one 8,000 meter peak in their life. Wow. And they managed to get a novel out of, the, out of that shit. He was climbing three in 48 hours. Wow. He's, he's not, it is an incredible story. And um if you should, you should watch it. Cool. Uh, and I'm quickly uh Googling, Googling the title. What what the name of the, <laughs> the documentary is because I can't remember. Um I think it's um, mission possible. Nothing is impossible.
2: Fantastic. Uh,
1: um unless you want to piss out your elbow. That is impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I was at 14 oh. peaks. Okay. All right. Fourteen peaks. Excellent.
2: Sorry. Excellent. Um, I would, yeah, let, let's leave it there because um, I I could go into some other bits about people losing their minds about TV shows like Strictly, and I'm a celebrity because there was you know the camp was destroyed by wind, and people are going, why isn't I'm a celebrity on this is the disgrace, fucking grow up, <laughs> absolutely grow up. Um, anyway, that's it. Let's go because Phil, I can already yeah, see Phil, Phil really well. And uh, we will see you yeah. all next week. I'm half asleep already.
1: Go well. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast
2: Network.